Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I am your host. And on today's episode, I am speaking with Angus Morton, who is the filmmaker behind the new film titled The Divide that features Lachlan Morton on his recent unofficial record-setting run of the Tour Divide. Lachlan ended up completing the Tour Divide in 12 and a half days, which is the fastest known time, but it is not an official time as he had a film crew who was following his attempt. I absolutely loved this film. As soon as I finished watching it, I immediately reached out to Angus to see if he'd be down to chat about it. And we had a fantastic conversation surrounding the making of this film, Lachlan's journey. And we do touch on the hot button topic of media coverage in bikepack racing. I really enjoyed this film and I really enjoyed my conversations surrounding this film with Angus. And I hope that you enjoy it as well. But before we get into it, let's take a moment to thank the people that made today's episode possible, starting with our latest patrons. So first off, we'd like to thank Matthew Crouch, Whitney Hauk, and Catherine Groves for signing up to be sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast. That brings our total to 312 patrons, and we truly appreciate each and every one of you as we can't produce these episodes without your support. And if you would like to find out more about how you can support this podcast, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash bikes for death. Our next advertising partner today comes from Panorama Cycles. Panorama is a company that I've been working with for a little over a year now. I currently have their carbon gravel bike, which is the Kata Den. And after a year and many, many trips, I can absolutely tell you that this is a phenomenal bike that is a blast to ride. And I just ordered their newest offering, the Torn Got Tie, which is truly in a category of its own as it's been designed to run anywhere from a 29 by 2.5 inch tire all the way up to a 27.5 by 4.5 inch tire. I am super excited to get my hands on that one and I can't wait to tell you more about it once I put a few miles on it. I'll be sharing more about all of the offerings from Panorama in upcoming episodes, but today I wanted to share with you some of the reasons why I chose Panorama. Panorama Cycles is an independent bicycle company that is based in Canada and is dedicated to the backcountry cyclist, those who prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. All of their bikes are designed with the intent to get you out on your own adventure. They are built with versatility in mind. In a cycling culture that often promotes N plus one as the correct number of bikes, Panorama rejects this model and instead designs each of their bikes with geometry, components, and features to make each model as versatile as possible. One of my favorite things about this company is that they are leading the industry in sustainably built bicycles. They do this through purchasing carbon credits from Carbon Zero to offset their CO2 emissions from all of their business activities. 
Additionally, they send any of their unusable composite products to C7 Composites, which is a company that has developed a process to transform obsolete carbon parts into polymer additives, which can then be used in various applications, giving new life to what was once considered waste. Not only are they building thoughtfully designed bicycles, they're doing so in a sustainable way, which is something as outdoors people, I think we can all appreciate and get behind. So to find out more about their bikes and their sustainable practices, go to panoramacycles.com. And if you're thinking about purchasing one of their great bikes, please consider using our affiliate link, which can be found in the show notes of this episode or over at bikesordeath.com. I'd also like to mention that I am the U.S. sales rep for Panorama. So if you're a bike shop that would like to hear more about these great bikes and this amazing company, I have got some truly amazing offers just for you, and I'd love to tell you all about it. So if you're interested, shoot me an email to bikes at bikesordeath.com. And let's have a chat. All right, everybody, that's it. The bills have been paid. Thank you so much for being here. Now it is time to get to my chat with Angus Morton. But first, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikester Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Hello, now, now talk. All right. Oh, there we Can go. You, ah, technology. Dude, it was uh, trying to output it through this fucking red-ass mic I've got. Uh, I don't have an external recorder. Uh, well, I do, but it won't. It won't. The power thing's broken on it. Um, well, so that, I just uh, plugged in this ridiculous mic. <laughs> I like it. It glows red. Yeah, yeah it makes a statement. It oh, does. it glows red. It's not Dude, look red. At it. it's, it's like it's like it like that's a light. Oh, I like, fucking like that. You're showing me up. The Hyper X. Oh fuck, man! Hyper X. Get yeah. I don't even know how I got it. this, but <laughs> dude, I have it. That's awesome. I think it's like a gaming mic. <laughs> it looks like a gaming mic. Right? It looks like it should come with one of those consoles that completely lights up, and you shut yourself in a dark room for days on end. Probably yeah. wearing a diaper, so you never have to leave the never computer have to leave. screen. Is this is exactly. this your alter ego? Is this what we need to know about you, dude? Uh, I wish. I wish it was. I wish I had like a quirk like that. But no, I don't. Uh... <laughs> It'd be That's funny. Because... My, it would be. <laughs> It would be funny. Uh, my last guest on the podcast was um, Sophie on and, and coincidentally, the first topic we discussed was, uh, was his gaming. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to that one. So it would have been pretty funny if uh, we started this one off with, with some gaming talk as well. Dude, yeah, no, I mean the last, the last uh, video game that I really got into was probably Metal Gear Solid like the original metal gear solid which is kind of like is it like 20, a first person shooter 
Yeah, it's like uh exactly, and you sort of got to solve the solve the kind of uh, storyline, I guess. Um, but it was yeah, that was that's probably a decade over a decade over two decades ago now. Jesus, they 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 can be addictive. It's it's something I've kind of intentionally um, not pursued because I have an addictive personality and, uh, yeah. I used, I yeah, used same, to play yeah. call of duty with some friends and it can really like take over your life. And so I, I, yeah. I kind of intentionally avoid, avoid the games. I, my, my kids have a, um, a Nintendo switch and, right. uh, I do like to play a need for speed with them sometimes. That's a, that's Dude, a good time. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of need for speed, but I guess like editing is kind of like, gaming in a sense oh fuck that you, you know that means- <laughs> like it's because because you, you you know you you do i just get obsessed and i'll just be attached like to the computer for like you know weeks and and it's just you know you're sort of gamifying like an experience in a way um and you're trying to like win the the puzzle you know or like complete the puzzle in a but yeah. it's even more than that i guess because it's it's not just completing it, but it's 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 do it, completing it in the like most beautiful way or the most effective way. Uh, right. So it's sort of the same thing. I feel like you know my I could see how I would also get addicted to gaming because you just lock in, you know. Yeah, yeah. The difference is whenever you finish uh, editing a project, um, you have something that you created to to show I mean, for. Sure. It. Yeah. So yeah. there's like a, an extra bonus there where you can like showcase it to the world. It makes yeah, you exactly. wonder, it makes you wonder, um, how much of your day-to-day life are you in the editing bay from on a day-to-day basis? Uh, I mean, that really depends, honestly. Um, I, everything that I work on, uh, is, well, basically everything that I work on, um, I'll see from, from like creation of the project or like the concept all the way through the edit. Um, and so, you know, I'll be involved if I'm not the main editor, I'll, I'll, I'm always involved in the edit at some point from a hands-on point of view. Um, and so, yeah, that really depends. Maybe like 60% of my time, quite a lot of time, you know, like if I'm not shooting, uh then then i'm in post and and that's usually you know that usually runs straight like one project runs into the other uh or has has been um so yeah so it's sort of like 60 or so percent maybe 70 percent in the edit and then and then the other 30 out there shooting I struggle. Um, I was surprised to hear you say that because, man, editing is like I loathe it at this point. You know, five years yeah. into editing a podcast, I just. But what what I'm thinking is is maybe a part of it is you're not editing yourself the whole time. I know you used to do a podcast, um, and and maybe you right. still will uh, pick that up. But something about editing yourself all the time. You know, you're yeah. You're either sh- show prepping and getting ready and then talking for hours and then you know the editing process you're just listening to yourself over and over and over again and yeah i remember cutting the first thereabouts uh a decade ago now and that was my first experience of editing myself on screen and uh 
and that was like very challenging you know it was such a a strange experience and then i did the same you know and i i i, I was like oh, I don't, that's kind of why i didn't want to you know really feature in 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 anything or be on camera I was because you just look at yourself and you're like i'm an idiot you know <laughs> the whole time but at some point at some point it for me at least i i i just like got past that bit and i could be somewhat objective about myself on screen uh yeah. you know if not slightly more harsh but i wasn't like i was when i first watched it i was like this you know i'm an idiot like why would anyone want to watch that you know you just feel like such a fool uh, yeah. at least i did um so yeah there is an element of not i guess because you're not doing yourself uh but i kind of am at a point now where it's just i'm pretty good at just being like it's characters on screen even when it's locky there's no i'm not watching him and being like how can i make him look the best or sort of come across in in the nicest way it's always like for me i'm always uh it's always like what's going to serve the story best what's the most and sometimes that's you know i will i'll often get to the end of something and i'm like wait have i made this you know my brother this person that i love have i made them look like an asshole or like are they an <laughs> asshole and you know you know sort of like sometimes you have this moment of fear where you're like wait i've just sent out a version of this for them to review and i'm like have i even considered what they're going to think about how they come across in this uh and so when I feel that way, I kind of like, well, I've done my job the right way, <clears throat> you yeah. know, as opposed to. Yeah. yeah, I think I really appreciate that. And something I try to tell myself as, um, you know, we're all human. And as, when I'm anytime I'm being critical of myself or, you know, the product I'm producing, I it it doesn't take me long to, um, you know, listen to another podcast and hear all the times that like they didn't finish their line of thought mm -hmm. or they start something and then they derail themselves or they cut somebody off. And, you know, it kind of, it's, it's like, it just put it in perspective. We're all human. And, and that is one of the things that attracted me to this particular medium is, um, how it showcases the humanity of, of people. And yeah. we all are idiots sometimes and we all say dumb things sometimes. And we always, we don't always have the perfect, you know, one liner right at the tip of our tongue, you know? And so, yeah, I try to give myself permission and I've gotten better at it as, I, as I've gone along, but it can be a little grueling to, to listen to all your mistakes time and time again or the things you wish you would have said better or differently or the question you wish you would have asked yeah well i think like i mean that's interesting you say that because you know as human beings we think in in like a you know in an arc in a complete um sort of contained thought or uh you know idea or concept and that's how we remember things you know that's why we're attracted so well to story and when we and when we tell stories in a podcast or on screen, you know, there's sort of somewhat of a structure in that there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And, and at the end of the story, there's some sort of resolution, but we don't actually talk in that way. And our daily lives don't actually go in that way. It's just the way that we think about them. So when we're listening to a podcast, like unless you're really listening to see if someone completes a thought or completes a sentence, like we're doing it for them you know, right. in our mind, we're like closing that loop. Right. Uh, so I, I do the same thing. I'll, you know, I'm so competitive. Uh, and then I'll watch other films incessantly 
and 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 trying to to figure out techniques or see what other people have done and i'm always like watching and i'm like damn like they did that they completed that so much more nicely than i did or would have and you watch it once and that's the feeling and then you watch it again and then you start to see oh, and then you watch it a third time and you start to see like all right <clears throat> i get it i can see it now like i can see where edits were made or where things that i you know in the first watch sort of seem so much more complete maybe aren't as necessarily complete um yeah. so yeah well, i think yeah we just sort of do that as human beings right and it's good it's good to zoom out and have perspective and i think the way you put that and that perspective is is a, a perfect way to look at it um well from my perspective as a member of the community and a, a, a person who just absolutely enjoyed your film um i mean at this stage there's quite a lot of media that comes out as it relates to bike packing bike pack racing and um i I, I I really feel like your film, The Divide, captured that race and Lachlan's experience f just fantastically. The cinematography was <laughs> incredible. Um, the juxtaposition of his cell phone cameras, the wide shots with the music, the pat that um, that matched the scenery just perfectly. I feel like, as a viewer, I felt like it really conveyed kind of the solitude, um, the grueling journey that he went on. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I I don't think I was. Well, I might have finished it, but I messaged you immediately after I watched that film without hesitation. I was like, this is a film that I think is important. Um, I think it, it it's uh, not only is it important um, from a storytelling perspective, but because it's so well done. I think that I want to help spread the the message because I'm in the bike packing business. I want more people to go out and uh, get on their damn bike and ride it anywhere they want to. And I think that this is a, is a film that can help inspire people. And so um, from my perspective, man, uh, job well done. I, I really, <laughs> really enjoyed it. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, this is a very high praise and, and uh, I'm, I love, you know, it's, it's always nice to hear when, uh, when a story connects with people and, and you never really know how it's going to connect. And I think, you know, I always find the question, uh, when people sort of ask like, Oh, what was, what was your thinking here? Or what was, you know, what was the, the sort of meaning behind this? And I feel like, you know, everyone takes their own meaning from, uh, from any sort of story, right? They, they sort of latched onto their own parts. Um, but it's nice to hear people, uh, you know, hear feedback where people do latch onto something within the story. There's something there that they connect with that speaks to them. And I think, you know, this is bikepack racing or ultra endurance sport, you know, is, is just really, it's so extreme. Um, and it's very difficult to convey, like how do you condense, 10 days or 12 days, you know, of all of nonstop, you know, kind of progression towards the finish. How do you convey that in 20 minutes or an hour or, you know, and, and that's, I've always found that the, you know, obviously a huge challenge, but also like something that I've wanted to kind of get right. Um, and I don't know that I necessarily am, am really 
fully satisfied with the final product of 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 the divide. There's always things that can be done better. Um, but it's nice to to know that people have resonated with it in some way that to your point, it's going to encourage them to maybe maybe not in the same extreme manner right. <laughs> as, as Lachlan. Yeah, you don't have to do and, that. And you know, all these races do it. But I think like they're they're seeing that and they're like, wow, this is like a very a very formative experience, you know, and and maybe I can go out there and have that on a slightly less extreme scale, but but I can have that. Uh, so that's cool. I think that's I think that's what media is good for. You know, when we watch Alex Honnold's free solo, yeah. not everybody went in free soloed El Capitan, right? But I fucking guarantee you, a lot of people yeah, dude, went out I, and I bought. I got into bouldering briefly after I saw that. I'm exactly. Like, hey, I'm do that. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's what that's happens. Is is you find your entry point. You're like you attach you you latch onto a part of it, and you're like. Oh man, that looks epic. And I want a piece of that. I want a taste right. of that. And right. and that's, you know, not everybody's be gonna be Lachlan. That's just, you know, not everybody's gonna do the tour divide in 12 and a half days. That's I, I would think not the point of of a film like that, but one to tell his story and and two to um get people excited, get people inspired and and tap exactly. into something within them uh, and connect with a, a wider audience. Yeah, and I think like, you know, I always see sport as, as somewhat creative and not somewhat creative, very creative. Um, and I think that people who are good at it are very creative people because particularly in, you know, in, in sort of elite sport now where it is so, the gains are so minuscule, you have to really think outside the box. You know, you have to think creatively in order to improve. And But within, within bikepacking, you know, or within ultra endurance sport, I think like, cause it is so burgeoning that, that there is just kind of a general fascination with, from, from a majority of people who are new to it. And they're just like, wow, this is so extreme. And like, look how, you know, sort of out there, these people are, they're not really necessarily like, well, I, I don't know that everyone, like people know the sport so well that they're really looking at these small parts of it. And, and the thing that, I really loved about Lockie's ride was just the way in which he was sort of like, I'm going to go and really do this in my own way. You know, it's like, like, and whether or not it's possible to go fast and, you know, like irrespective of the official nature of it or not, like, well, the unofficial nature of it rather, like it was purely like an experiment, you know, it was this like creative approach. And that's, that's what I really like for me took away from this story was like, I love that. Like it's sport for the sake of sport. And it's like pushing the boundaries and the limits just to see kind of like what will happen, you know? And because there's no, there's no prize on the line, like, yeah. uh, or there's no, there's no sort of like the, yeah, the prize that would be deemed like the record or whatever is, 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 is already been removed. So it's like, let's just do this for the sake of seeing if it can be done. And like, that is interesting. And that's, you know, it blows me away that someone would dedicate that amount of time and put in that much effort to something that really, you know, could really backfire quite dramatically. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really cool, uh, about starting to see that type of, of approach to the sport, like that real innovative. And I think people getting on a level now where it's sort of reached a big enough audience and for long enough that people are really seeing 
those parts of it and that creativity and getting excited by it. And I think that'll only help push the sport forward. Absolutely. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. And, um, we're obviously going to talk, uh, a, a lot more about the film. Um, we kind of just jumped right in. And so yeah. let me jump back, uh, just slightly. Uh, do you go by Angus or Gus? Uh, that's, I mean, that's totally up to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> most people tend to shorten it to Gus, you know, always growing up, uh, everyone just shortened it to Gus because that's like an Aussie, you know, it's like an Aussie thing to do is just shorten someone's name. Um, so yeah, so I kind of just go by Gus, but I don't All honestly right. care. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I think most people call me Gus. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Gus. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you, mate. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you answered my next question, which is if you're related to Lachlan. Uh, Y'all share a last name, but I, you know, I know that you're currently residing in California. I had, you know, I, I didn't know that y'all were, uh, y'all were, y'all were related. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're older or younger? Brother. Yeah, younger I'm brother. Older. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow. <laughs> so well, yeah, I've known so... Lockie my uh, well, I've known Lockie his whole life, uh, <laughs> and pretty much all mine. <laughs> how how much separates y'all? Uh, two years, two and a half oh, years. Nice. Yeah. Where are you guys from originally? So we are from uh, Australia, New South Wales, um, north of Sydney, uh, about probably two hundred and fifty miles or two hundred miles. Okay. Yeah, about 200 miles north of Sydney on a uh, there's a town called Port Macquarie, which is like a coastal kind of small city, and then we were inland from that. Um, we grew up on a farm, uh, right. kind of on Very the river. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I have a feeling some more questions will come up about y'all's uh, familial relationship uh, in our chat today. Um, for sure. But for you personally, I, I read on your website that um, you are a former professional cyclist. Um, I'm curious if you've ever ridden the divide or if you've other, done other uh, similar events to this caliber that would maybe help shape, um, you know, your perspective as a filmmaker and kind of have a, a general idea of what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I've never done uh, anything like the divide in the sense of kind of like clock starts when you leave. Um, and, and then it kind of, you know, uh, finishes when you arrive, however long that takes you, how many days and whatever you do in between the clock's always running. Um, but you know, I've done a few kind of long distance bike rides, done one, like done some in Australia, we crossed the U S, uh, the Balkans, um, I don't know, Canada. Yeah. So I've done a few, like, like kind of long, you know, up to like, I think the longest sort of continuous ones, maybe like 30 days or something. Um, but those are just like bikepacking, you know, uh, they're not, they're not like racing. So I don't have a, uh, a sense for the ultra endurance racing. Uh, I've obviously done a lot of, well, not obviously, but I, my career was in road cycling. So I've done a lot of road racing uh, and a lot of multi-day road races, um, which, I mean, I've got no idea if they're comparable or not, but I think I certainly have an understanding of like <laughs> what you can, uh, what sort of hell you can put yourself through on a bike, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, did you and Lachlan ever get a chance to race together or against each other, uh, during yeah. your professional careers? Yeah, we did. Um, we, uh, I actually, so 
I've, I had like a kind of a, a split up career, but um, I actually retired at 21 uh, and Lockie had sort of just turned or just gone pro and I'd, I'd been pro for about three years and then I stopped at 21 and I was actually supposed to join him uh, over at, at uh, like the, the junior Garmin team. Um, and I stopped and then didn't race for, I think about four years or so. And then, and then he, we kind of did this ride together and I hadn't touched a bike and, and we, and I got kind of got going again and we got training and, and he was like, you should race again. And we actually ended up racing on, uh, on a team here in the U S for a couple of years together. And that the kind of pinnacle of that was Lockie winning the, uh, Lockie winning the tour of, um, Utah. He and I had like, oh, nice. he won that and I was like, his sort of, uh, final kind of final guy, uh, in the mountains. So that was like, cool. We'd, we'd sort of set that as a goal when we, before we came back was to win like tour of Colorado or tour of Utah. Um, so yeah, so we got to race together for a couple of years, which is really cool. Like yeah. I, I feel a similar way. And I was actually having this conversation the other day, um, where, you know, I, I distinctly remember when Lockie, when we finished the final stage of tour of Utah and Lockie took back the Jersey and won the race and my parents were there and we were sitting in the RV after the stage. And there was just a moment of like, Oh, this is a real pinnacle of, of our sporting career. Like if, if we were to come back and win again here next year, it wouldn't feel the same way. If we were to go to a new team and win something even bigger, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel the same. This is like a once in a lifetime moment. And, and I just remember recognizing that and feeling that. And then, and then again, you know, recently, like when Lockie finished the divide was the first time since then it was a real funny moment. Cause you know, it's just normal. Like he, you've, I don't know if you've, have you done the divide? Like you finished like no. down there at Antelope. So at Antelope Wells, there's nothing there. And it was in the middle of the yeah. night. I've covered and, it from a podcasting perspective. Like right. I've been at the end of the tour divide. Yeah. And, so, you know, yeah. you know, like how normal, like how sort of underwhelming sure. it is to finish. Like there's no better, there's no other way to describe it than it's just such a, ugh, like, all right, we're done. Like, I guess we just chuck the bikes in the car. Yeah, it's so anticlimactic. Yeah. Very, very anticlimactic. And, yeah. uh, but there was a moment then, you know, where we're like finishing packing the car and, you know, we're just sitting there and you're like, ah, like, this is it. This is like a, you know, a real moment in our lives, uh, that we will never forget. And that is very significant. And it's awesome to be able to have this moment with my brother. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. So like, it's just sort of very normal feeling or sort of like i don't know i think you expect those climactic moments of your life to be very extreme and this mm. was sort of very not extreme yeah. <laughs> it was just like all right i guess we'll get some we'll stop at denny's or something and you know and oh we've got to book into this hotel and <laughs> who's got the route who's got phone reception to like you know yeah. to, to pull up the map like you're just having these normal right. conversations which which is sort of funny because you sort of think that in those those sort of moments of your life would just be it's so much more grand than that. Um, but they're not, and I, I kind of like that, honestly. <laughs> there, there's a beauty, uh, in that. I think that's one of the appeals of this type of racing is 
is you do it for yourself. You know, you yeah. don't do it for a grandstand and balloons and confetti and champagne and you know, girls in bikinis or whatever at the finish line. You know, I mean, you finish to nothing and no one. And I, I appreciated that in your film. I mean, I don't know if I appreciate it, but it stood out to me because I've been at the end of the divide a few times and it's always shocking at, you know, how there really isn't anybody there, how if I wasn't there, there wouldn't be anybody else there. And I'm taking these guys back to Jeffrey yeah. Sharp's, you know, place in Hachita. And I was like, okay, certainly someone's going to be there for Lachlan. And no, nobody no. was there. No. <laughs> There's no, no one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, and, and I honestly was, I was wondering as well as we're sort of going down. I'm like, I wonder if like maybe his wife will show up or like, if my parents, but I think my parents were out of the country. Anyway, I was wondering if anyone would show up and, mm. uh, and no, no one's there, which is sick. It's crazy. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's also, it's, it's really far away. Like, why would you be there? <laughs> you yeah, know, for people who don't know, you know I mean, you have the closest town is 45, 50 minutes away in Hachita and Hachita is barely a town. Barely a town. Um, yeah. you barely call it a town. And, uh, yeah, you got to go out of your way to, to be there. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So how did you get your start? Um, you know, what was the transition from being a professional cyclist and how did you transition into filmmaking and maybe why? Yes. Yeah. So I think, um, growing up I had always been into, well, for most of our youth, like really into cycling and racing, um, and, but also film just like purely enjoyed watching film and never really considered it to be like a, a vocation of any kind. Certainly, certainly not the, the making of them, you know? And, uh, anyway, you know, continued racing, uh, got a few contract offers. The, the contract offer, uh, that I chose to take was with the team that, um, that part of the, the requirement of, of joining the team, you know, uh, was continuing my education. Um, and I was sort of really all in on cycling. You know, I'd been homeschooled for the last few years because I'd, I'd missed so much of the school that I didn't meet the, I didn't meet the like minimum requirements for attendance. So I'd been, you know, expelled from my school because I'd been traveling to race. And so I homeschooled and, and was really just wanted, was, was hell bent on being a cyclist and kind of that's all I was going to be. And if I was going to go and have to study, you know, uh, and further my education, it, it, it might as well be in something fun. Mm. And so the, the college or university that I got into had a film program and I was like, all right, you know, uh, I've always loved film, would love to figure it, you know, love to know more about how it's made. Uh, so I majored in film and then in journalism as well. Um, just because I had, I think through traveling so much for sport, um, I just had a very strong interest in, kind of the human interest story and, and the, and the kind of current affairs of the world. Um, and, and honestly, I was, I probably sort of thought or saw more of a direct path for the journalism side of things, um, over the filmmaking initially. And then once I got studying and I was racing and racing was sort of, I kept getting sick or injured and I started to lose interest in the racing side of things and became more interested in the characters that I were meeting, you know, on the side of the road in Qatar or in Taiwan or Malaysia or Europe or wherever, like these faraway places that we'd get the opportunity to race. And, uh, and so I sort of became very much interested in documentary filmmaking. 
uh, when my contract was up, you know, I sort of was like, what am I doing? I hate, I hate this sport. Uh, I've sort of, in my mind, I'd failed at it. And so I didn't renew my contract. I just flew back to Australia and, you know, I, I distinctly remember my dad, my parents were like, what the hell? My dad called me and he was like, well, if you're not going to race bikes anymore, you know, that's how you made your living and, and you're going to have to like figure out a way to support yourself. And at that point I'd never had a job, uh, outside of working at a local bike shop. You know, I'd worked at a bike shop since I was sort of nine or 10 all the way through racing. And, you know, the way we sort of funded our career was like bailing hay and shit like that, just sort of like more odd jobs uh, around the farm. But I'd never had like a, you know, I was living in the city going to, to, to university. I'd never had like a real job, I guess, in that sense. And, uh, and so I sort of got mad at that and was like, well, I'm going to get a job in TV. <laughs> and, uh, and I did, <laughs> I, I don't know how, uh, a lot of luck and a lot of persistence, but I got a job with a production company that was shooting a documentary and, and that job sort of turned from being an intern for a few weeks, um, into an 18 month gig that, that ran whilst I was studying. And I ended up, you know, working, uh, shooting and interviewing and kind of actually, you know, making part of this, this TV show, just, I think by virtue of the show was really super low budget. And, uh, and I was just the only person who had been there since the very beginning. Um, but that taught me a lot. I got this real rapid kind of course in, in, in sort of shooting and, uh, and, how post-production worked and, and kind of all of that, um, like a practical version, but running alongside the kind of theoretical version that I was learning in college. Uh, so that was sort of, yeah, that was kind of the transition. Um, and then I, you know, went from there into scripted comedy, like, uh, sketch comedy stuff. I've sort of figured out after doing a lot of doc or working in doc for a couple of years that I, uh, I hated, <laughs> I hated how imperfect real life was. And so I was like, I want to go into, I want to go into scripted because we can just sort of like fix all of these little, you know, people would say the most amazing things bar one word. I mean, you would know this when you're in, when you're editing podcasts or you're listening to someone talking like, if they had just completed that, that had just right. said one more thing, that would be amazing. It'd be a profound yeah. thought. And, uh, so I moved across into scripted and was directing uh, a TV show in Australia when Lockie called me uh and was like let's do this bikepacking ride and you know bikepacking to me at that point in time was for like people in their mid-50s like german cyclo tourists you know like <laughs> these daggy bikes with daggy bags and they just sort of putted around like i didn't have any concept of it uh -huh. um and anyway we went on this ride and had this experience and that brought me back to racing and then i raced and through my racing experience i was like all right if the focus or the pinnacle of the sport in the broader public size is, is the Tour de France, you know, it's sort of seen as like that's kind of the most um, elite or kind of perfect version of the sport, for lack of a better word. You know, I I would sort of very uh, harshly disagree with that. And, and in my mind, sport should be something that moves the world forward and my experience within the professional cycling world. And uh, it was something that I didn't see it benefiting mm. the world in any way, you know? Um, but I saw all these other versions of it, you know, and I'd experienced all these other versions of the sport. So I kind of like leaving racing, uh, in 2017 was my final year. I sort of made it my mission to 
advance and tell stories and make films about these other facets of cycling in the effort that, you know, the world would become more interested in bikepacking and traveling by bike and these other ways in which you can engage with the bike than they would with the Tour de France and with seeing it as, as sort of almost exclusively either a means of transport or a means of competition, you know? Um, And so that's kind of what's led me to here. Honestly, I just sort of started doing that and then still doing it. (laughs) Yeah. You and I, uh, we, we dipped our toe in this same pond about the same time I started my podcast in 2018. And I think we've both probably been the benefactor of, um, to your point, a cycling community and an awareness of different modalities of riding your bike and, and really the potential, uh, therein that has kind of been, um, not as well known, certainly bikepacking, uh, bikepack racing has been going on for a while but um, has been lacking a lot of the the limelight and and people kind of showing a focus on it. And so it's a good thing. It's a good thing we're here, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's it's nice to be, you know, be able to like tell these stories or be involved in, in like a burgeoning section of the sport where, I think maybe because there isn't so much awareness about it, people are willing to like, and brands and whatever are willing to support these projects and not really like have an input because no one really has a point of view. Hmm. Um, You know, whereas like if we're to go and, and that's changing a little bit now, uh, but at first it was just like, do whatever you want because we don't even understand, you know, we don't even understand what the hell's going on. (laughs) Um, and, and, And that's cool because it allows, I think it allows like a, you know, a freedom and an honesty to take over. And if I think about the way in which I approached this subject back then, you know, back like five, six years ago, it was very like from the heart only. And like, I'm just doing what feels good and it needs to, it's all about just like kind of trying to flip the script um, and, and really just change the point of view. Um, and so like, and and that was, you know, that was sort of, I think, emblematic of my work at that point in time as well. But I think there was something really nice about being like that at that, at that point in time, because it allowed, you know, to kind of tell these stories in this, in these really strange ways, maybe that I think engages with people or just really like, I think just open people's eyes up to, or maybe helped open people's eyes up to like all of these different ways in which you can participate, which at the end of the day, you know, you can do it in any way you want. And I think that's the point. You know, ultimately is like, it doesn't have to be ultra endurance racing. It doesn't have to be criterium racing or time trialing or whatever. It doesn't even have to be commuting. Like you can sort of do it in whichever way you want. And and it's one thing to like say that to people um, because it's kind of a pithy sentiment. You know, you can do whatever you want. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, what does that even mean? And then it's like, well, if you show someone a certain way of doing it, well, then it's like, you're only showing them that way. If you're telling a story about one way of riding a bike, people are going to be like, well, you've excluded it. You know, that's at the expense of all other ways of riding a bike. And that's true. If you just look at it in that way. So it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to convey. Like, and I think in my mind, it was like, well, what are just like really wacky ways of riding or like, what are ways that sort of, they're not, you almost wouldn't even consider them the point of the the activity 
to be the writing. It's like this other part of the experience that the writing like helps you get to. Um, and that's kind of like, I think what drove, drove me and like drove me early on was like, how can we sort of get people to look past the, the sort of modality of the writing and see the experience. Um, mm. and I don't know if that was successful or not, but I think that's kind of, that was definitely like initially the big drive for me yeah. is like, how can we open people's eyes to, to sort of not, I guess like, how can we open people's experience up and, and for them to kind of be involved and to be like, I, I have this way that I've never seen anyone else participate in this thing. And I'm going to do it that way. Right. Um, yeah. That's open like up some hearts and minds, open them up. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally. So, so, um, <clears throat> we're media yep. and, uh, you're probably aware that in the bike pack, uh, space in this ultra endurance space, especially with the tour divide, um, there's been controversy surrounding yeah. <laughs> media on the tour divide. Um, you address it at the very beginning of your film. And, um, I think we should address, uh, address it kind of towards the beginning of this podcast as well. Yeah. Um, so as a starting point, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, um, what is the official rule as it pertains to doing an ITT or a group start on the tour divide as it relates to media and film crews? Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the official rule is. I just basically know that like, uh, any individual and an individual isn't allowed like individualized media coverage. And, and I think that that, I think that's what the rule is. Um, but basically like if, if, you know, if Lachlan's to turn up on the start line, if there's someone there that's covering all of the other people as well as Lachlan, that's fine. But if there's, if I, if it's just me in the way that we did it, that's, that's just covering Lachlan, that's considered like, uh, some, some level of, of assistance. Um, and, and so therefore like it would invalidate the time, uh, as it pertains to the, to the record. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. you know, that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's their race. They can make the rules. Uh, I yeah. guess it's, and, I, and that's uh, sort of, I think like, like kind of sport wide as well. It's sort of seen as, as like the, I know like doing the Colorado trail, it was the same thing. Um, yeah, and AZT. And like, yeah, AZT at, le is the at same. least with the top three, with the triple crown, yeah. Tour Divide, AZT, and Colorado Trail re Race, those three races currently share this uh, this same rule. They're all, they all have different race directors, but they all yeah. adhere to that same same general rule. Where if you have a film crew dedicated to you, um, it cannot be counted as an official time. Yeah, so how aware were y'all of this rule prior to, um, you know, having the idea to, um, make this film, um, how aware of you, I mean, it all kind of started with Lael at tour divide in 2019. That was the first time this issue really came to light and it became somewhat controversial, um, within yeah. this community. So how aware were y'all of, of that dynamic before y'all set out to do this film? Uh, very aware. Like I, uh, shot a film about Lale on the tour divide in 2021. Uh, and we were aware of it then I was aware of it in 2019. Uh, and then every ultra since then, um, that I've been involved in. So like Lockie's, uh, tour of 
Lockie's um, Colorado trail record or like ride that wasn't a record. So we've been <laughs> super aware of them. And like, in terms of, you know, I know with, uh, in, in all of my experiences with Lael and with, with, um, Lockie, it's always been like, yeah, that's fine. If it's not, it's not counted. And that's sort of been a thing, uh, that's been expressed beforehand. Like I know, like with Lockie before the, the Colorado trail, like there was a conversation he had with the, the dude who runs the trail, um, uh, like, yeah, organizes the, the event where he was like, Lockie was like, I'm, I'm, I'll be on the route and you will no doubt hear about it. Uh, but, uh, this is by no means, a a record. Uh, and I think that dude's response was like, well, you're not allowed to have the record. Um, <laughs> you know, which was sort of like, uh, typical. And, uh, and then, and then with the tour divide, I think it was obviously already stated like before he left as well. And he doesn't care. I mean, he was like, I don't care you know, from, a, I think, you know, the thing that is really sad about all of this is like that, that people, uh, that people get so upset about it, having not understood necessarily the whole, and that's whatever, you know, we all, we all react to things, uh, on face value and people feel very passionate about this sport, whether, whether that's misguided or not, I'm not, uh, I'm not being the judge, but I think for these athletes, you know, I've seen the very real world impact on Lockie and on Lael and on Lael's wife, Rue, like of this just crazy stuff that people say and come out and say, and it's like, what, <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, so like, I think that's where the, the sad part of, of it is, is that, is that it becomes a debate about that, uh, as opposed to a debate about you know, the sport and like how, you know, as a decentralized community, it can sort of like move forward in a somewhat harmonious way without eating itself. Um, and you know, I think I would argue that maybe it's past that point now and like, you know, the, the gangrene's already set in and the foot's already rotted off and, but you know, whatever, that's, that's just me from the outside seeing it and, and sort of, judging people's like, yeah, just seeing it from the outside. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is sad. It's, it's too bad that, I mean, even now I'm, I'm feeling the need to address this like right off the gate, you know, because yeah. it, it is a hot button topic that people have developed very strong and passionate feelings about. And I, I find it interesting um, because I do feel like there's a place for both. My I interviewed Lael about her AZT, um, ITT. Yeah, she doesn't is, care about the official record. Yeah, exactly. Lachlan yeah. doesn't kill, care about the official record. And, you know, I don't know why there's this, 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 yeah, this, you know, major controversy and discussion going on when we're talking about, you know, earlier in our conversation, we're talking about the different modalities, the different ways right. of riding your bike. Um, I think this falls in, in that category. The route is out there. And if you would like to have the film documented, I think that's at the writer's discretion at Lale's at, at Lachlan's discretion. If they care, if it's a, uh, is if it's a recognized time or not, you know? Um, yeah. And I mean, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think like, that's, that's my sort of issue with it is that like, there are these people 
you know, Lale in particular, who are really have done a lot for this sport in in encouraging. And when I say a lot for this sport, maybe it's maybe I, <clears throat> maybe that's where the issue lies is when you speak about it in that way. So I'm not going to speak about it that way. Lale has done a lot for people and uh, and and human beings around the world in that she has shown them something that they had never seen and encouraged them to participate in something that they never thought they ever could. That's bikepacking. And that has enriched their lives. And it's it's always a shame to see when someone has done something like that for humanity, you know, uh, to have to 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 see that person have to endure and 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 the people that they love have to endure this like very direct, um, often misguided criticism. And I think that's where this becomes sort of like a, a real sad thing. Cause I, I have no issue with the rules and I have no issue with them being enforced. And and also, you know, I definitely have an issue with them not being uh open to to development and, and open to sort of like more um i guess like uh um yeah like a panel or a progressive organization that is assessing those rules on a on a consistent basis i think that's always important but but i have no issue with with them and, and i think neither do from what we understand like lachlan and, and Lael, these these two people who seem to cop a lot of criticism for for their participation in these events with the film crew. And so I think when that starts to happen, like that's, that's the kind of like, that's the sad part. Cause you're like, ah, it, we had such a good thing going here, yeah. you know, and no one's really trying to like mess with, mess with anybody. here. Right. We're all just trying to like share this thing that we love. Um, yeah. And, and then it becomes this personal thing. And, and it gets to a point where, people like Lael and people like Lachlan won't do it anymore. Eventually, you know, like eventually you're just going to be like, all right, like the amount of criticism or the amount of like, just sort of like ridicule that Scrutiny. I am subject to like outweighs, outweighs it. And then, and what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for the sport when, when these, you know, these people who have been, you know, have, have, have come in and had like, you know, a, a large impact, like when people like that no longer participate, like what hole does that leave? And sure that hole will be filled, but like, will it, like who will it be filled by? Because people see that, see that experience that these other people have. And they're like, I'm going to do something else. Or like, am I going to involve myself in this? And, you yeah. know, whether or not you think progress is good or bad, it's a reality. And, and you cannot say that the motivations of, of Lachlan and Lael haven't been in the interests of the sport. Uh, or like in the interest of encouraging people and showcasing like the sport to more people to get them to be involved. And so that's sort of, that's, you know, I think a, a sad part of this conversation. And, but it's also like, it's not, you can't turn around and be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Cause everyone's opinion is valid and everyone's emotional response to these things are valid you know i think it's indicative of just how amazing this sport is that people feel so passionate about it and they feel the need to protect it in some way and 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 so like it's kind of this you know looking from the outside in you're like you're all saying the same goddamn thing 
<laughs> you all fucking yeah. love this sport and you all want the yeah. best for it. And like, you're all saying the same thing, but you're just too close to it. And you're all just like yelling down each other's throats. And like, that's kind of hard to watch. It is hard to watch. And um, yeah, it's not for me. And obviously you're not interested in telling people uh, which side yeah. of the aisle they should should fall on. I am uh, for having conversations though. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very interested in, in talking about things and understanding where people are coming from and, and why and, and helping to further the conversation around media. One right. anecdotal thought that I have, um, and I, I'm curious, I bet you've seen something similar in your life, is that uh, through like your films and being a part of this community, is <clears throat> almost everybody that I interview or talk to found out about bikepacking through some form of media, you know, yeah. whether it was the Mike Dion film, right? The divide. Yeah. Um, and, and now maybe the divide film. And that is how people are most by and large getting introduced to the sport. And aren't we better as a community of cyclists who are passionate about this with more of us? You know, yeah. and so, but at the same time, I, I want to make sure I'm very clear because this is a hot button topic. I also believe in the rules. And if the rules are the rules, uh, then absolutely follow them. But yeah. why, why isn't there an equal amount of space available for people to go and do it, share their experience with the world and stoke the flame of this amazing community that we're all passionate about, you know? Yeah, I mean you're exactly I you're exactly right. And I think like these events unless I mean like who's you know who's going out to the basin in Montana to like you know I mean I'm in California like I'm not going to just whip out there to watch like one or two people come through stand out there for a week and see like a dozen people during the divide, you know, like, so I'm never going to get that experience, right? I'm never going to be able to like comprehend what it looks like, but also like maybe partially what it feels like to like witness people moving through that landscape. Cause it's one yeah. thing to do it yourself, but it's one thing to like see someone do it and, and be able to actually like see the scale. And so I think like by, you know, by large, the nature of these events is, is they are so remote and they are so grand that it's impossible to like spectate them. Um, and so that it makes sense that like most people uh, become aware of them and really get hooked on them because of the media that is, that is surrounding them. Yeah. Um, so I think like, yeah, I think it's, I mean, you know, I always look at this just from a storytelling point of view, particularly nowadays. Um, and and I think there's just so many good stories in this sport, you know, just from an entertainment point of view. And and that like that gets me excited on it. You know, as someone who's ridden their bike their entire life in, in all sorts of different ways, and it's been my job, you know, for the better part of, you know, like 15, yeah, like 17 years or something. Um, and <laughs> and 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 these are like it's these stories now that are the thing that get me excited about it you know like because the just yeah just knowing that it's there isn't the thing that gets me excited now like when yeah. i see these people <laughs> and these characters and these experiences i'm like oh it reminds me 
you know, and it, and it draws that excitement back out in me. I'll go months without writing and then I'll work on a project or I'll, you know, see something, uh, I'll watch like a film or something and it gets me psyched again and then I'm back out on the bike and I'm riding yeah. again because it's like, yeah. So That's I think- so well said. You go to a dinner table with your friends and you that aren't familiar with this sport and you tell them about this race that goes from Banff to Antelope yeah. Wells along the Continental Divide. It's all off road. You got to carry all your own shit and people cannot comprehend it. There's no, <laughs> it just, it just passes over their head because it is so far outside of their ability to comprehend what you're talking about. And yeah. then you show them a film. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's like, that's what I think is cool because there's something, you know, like human beings, there's this, the theory that we sort of, why human beings have pl- proliferated around the world. One of the theories is the the kind of patterning instinct, which is this intrinsic desire within us to like scale a mountain, you know, mm. or to like look at an ocean and be like, I wonder what's on the other side we should find out, <laughs> you know, like, like no other species possesses that. Like, that's like a death wish, you know, every other species yeah. is like, where can I get food? Where can I get shelter? And like, be right. safe. Yeah. But we don't, we don't have that. And in the modern day, in modern society where we've been everywhere, like it's these things that are that primal, it's, it's these ultra endurance, these crossing of continents that, um, that like evoke that primal instinct within all human beings to like scale that mountain. And so like when you, when you witness it, like it's so embedded within us uh, as a species that like you can't help but like resonate with it in some way and kind of be, you know, be captivated by the like myth of it. And, and that's why I love being able to to tell these stories visually because they're visually arresting and, and really stunning. But then just like the knowledge, like you just see, you know, this little dot just moving slowly across the landscape in the, in the frame. And you're just like, whoa, like look yeah. how slow he's going. You know, like that's taking forever. Like, and then you're like, look at her. She's like ragged and it's only day two. Or like, look at him. He's like, bleeding or whatever like he's complaining about this and it's only day four you know so like all of these kind of just getting the scale of it and and getting the intimacy of it that can really only be conveyed through like someone else being there and and documenting it i think like speaks to something within all of us that kind of what like it triggers us all in a way to like do it and 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 it shows us that shit crazy shit's possible yeah it really doesn't open up your mind for real and you get that shows you like oh you can do these really extreme things as a Mm. as a human being and like and it's almost like you know well what is the limit uh and and even if you don't want to find what the limit is it kind of allows you to be like well i thought my limit was doing a 30 mile group ride but maybe my limit's like far greater than that maybe it's like i can ride across I can ride from San Fran to LA or maybe it's, I can do the divide. Like, yeah. um, so I think that's like where these, where being able to document these stories has like a very like strong impact. Um, well, not well, strong. Yeah. Like strong impact, whatever the, it, it has an effect on people that only this, that can only happen within, you know, from seeing something like, like a person riding across the country. Um, and that's like a, you know, 
that's like I mean we've all ridden by ridden our bikes long distances like it's it's a profound experience it's something that like I believe everyone should have a version of in their lives because it will you know it can only improve you as a person um and and so that's a cool and I think like important thing that we don't want to lose sight of is like yeah at the end of the day like if it gets more people to to have an experience that makes them better like it should kind of be our job as people who have experienced that to encourage and to share that experience mm, that is so well said yeah i feel that responsibility for me well, you're doing it I, like you know yeah like and that's, i mean that's the yeah I, I, w I would not be here today doing what I do if it wasn't for the Ride the Divide film. I just wouldn't. That's right. how I was introduced to it. And I'm just one person. Um, and I hope that, you know, my efforts are rippled through the community and I'm impacting yeah, people's lives. And, and you know, the ripples of that one film uh, has had a huge and enormous impact, I think, in my opinion, in a positive way uh, for our community. I've talked to endless people who have been inspired by that film or other films um, that Lael has been in, or um, I, I haven't talked to anyone that's been inspired by this one yet because it just came out, but I'm <laughs> sure I will. <laughs> and, I have no doubt like, that I will. Yeah, and I think like the, the thing that always... The thing that always blows me away and like about, you know, what you're doing, like what Lockie's doing, like these people within this small, small sport, because it is somewhat small, mm. let's say. Mm -hmm. But like the thing that always blows me away is like there's like people that sort of actively or let's say like publicly participate in this community, the bikepacking community. But there's like a crazy amount of people one step removed that like dip their toe in, you know, or they're like, they're not like hardcore in it, but they like will somehow come across like a Leo Wilcox story somewhere like on REI or like whatever, like YouTube algorithm. And, and, and they don't go any further than, than that. Right. Like they just have that one experience with it, but then they go out and they do their own ride or they do their own sort of thing. And that, but they're not necessarily like plugged as directly into the world as like you or I, or like they might like hear an episode of your podcast. Cause like there's a character, you know, again, Lael or like someone like that, Sofian, like that they're aware of from another part in their life and they touch on it. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, there is this larger impact within the general community of sports people, I think that like, these stories and, and, and this like effort reaches that like the people for us that are in it, like you never even realize that. And that's a really cool thing. Like, and I think that doesn't happen in, well, it probably, maybe it does in badminton occasionally, or like these, <laughs> these sort of other niche sports that like when you watch them, unless you really know the sport very well, the appreciation of, of the skill that's being demonstrated is somewhat lost. Um, but with this, it's not because you just you instantly hear, wait, you rode 2,700 miles in fucking 14 days. Like, whoa, like doesn't, yeah. you know, you don't have to have any context to know that that's crazy. Um, yeah. And, and cool. Uh, so that's the other thing that always blows me away about this is like, there's this kind of like hidden impact that these stories have that sort of live on or, or move on in a way that we're maybe not even aware of because it's not 
directly like bringing people into our core community, but it's bringing them in in a different way or it's maybe pushing them into another community uh, that's sort of adjacent somewhere else, you know, in another sport or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, to internalize that, I'll reference Alex Honnold again and and I'm not a rock climber. Um, I'm not a big mm. fan of heights. I respect that sport greatly and I follow it closely. I think I've watched every fucking film and short yeah. film that's ever been produced on climbing. I'm not a climber. My, uh, my screen, whatever thing, my backdrop, my wallpaper on my desktop for years was Alex Honnold as he was sitting on that ledge of the wall, you know, just freaking yeah. the fuck out, you know, <laughs> uh, before he, he kept going. And, and I, I, I had, I had a little caption that I wrote on it. It said, so what will you do today? You know, and, and that I'm not a climber, but well, it inspired that's the exactly fuck it. out of me, you yeah. know? And, and I, I think about that too all the time and it, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. And, and for those reasons, I'm a big, uh, a big fan and a believer in the power of media, the power of storytelling mm -hmm. to showcase the human potential, human passion, what we can tap into and what we can do as humans and how we can share those experiences so that other people can also find in themselves a way to tap into their own internal passion, their own motivation and their own strength to go and do anything in their life. It doesn't even have to, have to be riding a bike. It could be, you know, climbing a mountain or yeah. whatever it is, you know, and that's the thing that I, I'm, I get excited about tapping into. And, um, yeah, I also believe in following the rules. So just be clear. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly right. And that's like, but, but I guess, I guess my feeling about all of this is that these are two very separate things, but they've sort of somehow become, right. unfortunately, uh, somehow yeah. become blended. And unfortunately, and a, and a bit enmeshed and a bit entangled. And, you know, I think, I think we will like, as a sport, people sort of reconcile the two and, and, and kind of move past it. <clears throat> um, you know, like I think sometimes when new things happen, uh, or things change sort of quite dramatically, you know, people adapt and, and respond in different ways and it, you know, sort of takes time for everyone to sort of homogenize again. Um, so I think we will, but yeah, I think that's just like the challenge now. And I don't think anyone would dis, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think anyone would disagree with the two as separate concepts. Mm. And I think it's just that, that there's like some confusion about how everybody's interpreting or how each of us are interpreting it or like yeah. viewing it. It's making the, making yeah. it. Well, sorry to cut you off. Um, it, again, I don't, I don't like to tell anyone what to do, but I do uh, really value um, the importance of having conversations, especially yeah. around topics um, that are, are difficult. And, and right now, this is one of those challenging topics. And so I would like to move on from media and actually talk about your film. Um, yeah. Before we leave this topic, was there any, is there any last thoughts that you have as it pertains to media uh, and the sport or this film in particular? I mean, only an extension of what you just said, and that would be that most of the time, if we if we uh, sort of get past like whatever our kind of annoyances or aggression or disagreement initially with what the other person or what the opposing point of view is, you'll often find like a common ground. And I can tell you 100% for sure 
in this community, we have a lot in common. <laughs> mm. Like we all love riding our bikes. We all love doing these extreme things. So I think, I think most of us will find that if we can, if you can see just beyond that point, we actually kind of share the same point of view on just about everything. And that we're all a little bit more nuanced than maybe a comment on Instagram or, you know, like a headline on something or other, uh, would have us believe. So Absolutely. That's, that's all I would say. No, very well said. I um, It's why I'm a big uh, fan of and the host of a podcast because I believe yeah. in the minutia of people and the layered and complexities of conversations and topics and people's personal perspectives, whatever it may be, we are not as simplified as a, a comment on uh, on social media. And, and, and these, these, are, these are topics that are worth talking about. And I appreciate you adding yeah. uh, your voice to the conversation and hopefully it uh, moves the needle forward in, uh, in a Some positive way. way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, I think you do a very good job of that and have done a very good job of, of that and have been somewhat of a leader, I would say, in the community because of your ability to have these conversations and present these points of views in a way that doesn't like kick off <laughs> doesn't doesn't trigger everyone to like kick off in a way it allows everyone to sort of be like all right whatever but i'm seeing both sides of it or i'm able to like kind of understand this point of view a little bit more than maybe i did before as as opposed to inciting it further so that's that's a huge kudos to you uh, well, I, I, I genuinely appreciate that that is um in fact my exact goal mm. all right so the film the divide uh yes. who we, we're talking about audiences who was your intended audience? Who do you think, um, when you created, created this film, who were you mostly trying to reach? That's a really good question. Um, I think like consciously, uh, I don't know that I necessarily gave it a ton of thought. Um, but I think probably the best, my approach, uh, definitely, consciously was like, I don't want to make a film that is bikepacking 101. And so we have to explain everything because I, I feel like there's this fallacy within any sort of kind of content production that the audience needs to be really walked along from the origin of the thing. So they really need to fully understand it. And there's a level of understanding that that sure needs to happen, but I think we don't need to really spell it out at the time. So I didn't want to have to kind of do this bikepacking 101 thing. Um, but I also didn't want to make a film that was sort of too bogged down in like what the sport is. Uh, I just wanted to be like, here is the American West and here is this person under their own steam traveling from the North to the South and just getting lost in that. And sort of just being able to witness and 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 sort of progress through this journey with this character. Um, so in that regard, I, I guess I was trying to make the the film uh, for an audience of people who love adventure, um, not necessarily bikepacking fans. Um, and you know, so yeah, so I was sort of trying to make it, I guess, for. A, a general audience in the sense that um, it was just watching someone sort of travel through this very beautiful and, and kind of treacherous landscape uh, under their own power. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that approach. Um, so the Tour Divide race or the Tour Divide route, it covers 2,700 miles, two countries, five states. And for Lachlan, it took 12 and a half days. Um, what, like, how did you approach actually capturing the ride and what, like, what challenges did just filming uh, such such a massive, uh, I mean, different landscapes and the time and uh, the terrain and, and weather. Like, what what was your approach to actually filming it from like a, a technical standpoint, and, and what challenges did this present? Yeah, well, um, good question. And I think like initially when when this idea kind of began to become a reality. I was like, all right, you know, I've already made a film about the tour divide. Um, and I've already, you know, made lots of films about bikepacking, but this is the kind of, you know, this is the, the pinnacle of, of routes. And I love the American West, you know, I, I've been enthralled by it ever since I first sort of saw it. And so I was like, well, well, I really, the thing that got me the most excited about it was, I guess, being able to photograph and, and film the American West and this landscape. Um, and so that was sort of my, my starting point was like, well, I love this landscape and I really want to do it justice. And so it became, I was like, well, let's approach it in the same way that, uh, you know, a lot of Westerns have been shot, uh, with anamorphic lenses, you know, really like capturing the, trying to capture the depth uh, and the space. And then, uh, and then, and then it became like, all right, well, let's, um, let's figure out how we can do that, but also be nimble and kind of follow this, you know, cause, uh, it's a race it, it essentially, you know, this person never stops. We can't get them to do anything twice. And, and we don't really have a lot of resources, um, to kind of, you know, like, like we have a limited amount of resources, so we can only have so many people and so many vehicles and whatever. And then also there's like a, a scale or a, a, uh, economies of scale there that really is quite small. And so it then became like, well, what can be the most sort of cinematic way that we can capture this, um, and guarantee that we get a film out of it in the end. And so, from there it was like i said like it was it was anamorphic lenses to get the to capture the depth and the scope of the landscape and then it was all right well let's see if we can bring like a little jib arm like crane um and and then you know so we build that up but that would take a certain amount of time and that would slow down the action so then it was like okay if we want to if we want to kind of use these two critical um visual tools to tell the story that's going to slow us down a lot from a production standpoint. So then it was like, well, how can we bake, like how can we factor that into the story? So then it became about these big sweeping landscape shops, shots, like slowing the pace of the film down, finding and thinking about framing that allowed us to kind of tell a complete story within one or two shots versus having to, have lots of coverage in order to like showcase a landscape or, or in order to, you know, demonstrate the scope or the, the gravity of a situation. And so it sort of became really about, all right, we can, we can go slow, but we really have to think about 
every shot that we're getting because we because we we because we are so slow we're only going to have so many opportunities um and then and then the challenge became he was going a lot faster than i thought he was going about 20% faster than i anticipated um and that like you know even though you're in a car and all of this it it that like the first few days we were playing catch up it was like oh like we have to move a lot faster than we thought we're going to actually have to lose one or two shots a day. Um, and not that we were even that plan, but just generally speaking, it's like, all right, we're going to have to kind of cut back our expectation here in order to make sure we still continue to get the quality that we want. Um, and so like that, I think uh, like once all of that was established, the big challenges became one, having the confidence that uh, that only getting sort of six shots a day was enough you know and being like this is enough to tell the story and and you know that it is from a technical standpoint but you're also just like the temptation to kind of just get more for the sake of being like well we've shot a ton today so there's got to be something in there right um so i think that was like that was a big challenge was just having the confidence to to like back yourself and be like no we're going to really make sure we're just going to go until we find a spot that's going to get us the shot that we need right now and like thinking about that. Um, and then, and then the other one of course is just, uh, like safety, I guess, you know, fortunately Lockie was sleeping six hours a night. So that allowed us to have, you know, maybe three or four hours of sleep a night, but that's still not a lot of, that's not a lot of sleep and, and, and you have to kind of do quite a bit of work, um, surrounding just being able to shoot. And, and so it was just a, the challenge was like not getting carried away with trying to match Lachlan on, okay, be there from the moment he wakes up or like, you know, be nearby and then, and then, and then getting these shots throughout the entire day. It was sort of like, all right, we've got 12 days of this. We need to slow down. You know, we need to pace ourselves so we don't burn out. Mm -hmm. So that was a real big challenge because, you know, the temptation's always there and you get caught up in, it is really beautiful and, and, you know, you're trying to get the best light and the best light happens at each end of the day. And so that was sort of, that was a big challenge. And then, um, and then, yeah. And then I just say general, like ac accessibility, the route's quite accessible. If you to compare it to the Colorado trail, for example. Um, but like there was one, one night there where we actually got stuck. Like we got the truck stuck on the side of a mountain uh, in this super steep section and we had to like sleep up there on the side of the mountain. Um, and then in the basin, the, the, when the, when it rains, like the, everyone knows oh, about the fucked. peanut butter mountain. Yeah. and cars are very, very equally susceptible to that. And there was a few moments, you know, we, just before we entered the basin, there was a, a random dude in a gator on the side of the road. And we're like, is it safe for us to drive through here? you know, cause it had just been raining and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple guys got out here earlier this morning and we're like, all right. And then like you start driving and the car starts lighting up the road and you're like, how much earlier this morning did this guy get off there? And like, and then you said, you know, so there's like quite a few moments like that where just like the general level of stress of being like, uh, you know, we're going to get stuck here and, and what would that mean for the production, you know, cause right. lock's not going to stop. Uh, and then of course, for me personally, watching Lockie go into these really dangerous situations and not not being able to do anything about it, you know, and, and almost knowing that he was going into making a bad decision, not almost, fully knowing. You're like, oh, yeah, he's like, 
making the wrong choice right now. And you just got to sit there and watch him do it. And that was really hard and something I didn't expect to be hard beforehand because like I sort of had, for the most part, anytime I've worked with him and, and anytime I work with anyone, it's story first and that's the priority and, and, and their own, their own safety and whatever's their responsibility. And, and, and that's one thing when it's not your sibling that's doing it, but then when you're watching, you know, your younger brother do something that really came in a few times where I was like, you know, like I, you wouldn't be there and there would be a storm or there would be, you know, you'd see him right off into somewhere and you're just like, all right. And you see him go. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, what the fuck did I just do? I should like, this isn't worth it. Yeah. You know, is it worth it? Like what if something happens? Like, what's the point? I should have stopped him. You know, he's tired. He's not thinking clearly. He's calorie deficient. I should stop him. Yeah. And there was a lot of that for me where I really had to, you know, and this is kind of maybe a bit fucked up, but, but I really had to be like, all right, it's up to him. And like, if something happens, you know, we'll know cause you'll stop moving on the tracker and you know, like we can call for help. And for the most part, it's not that remote. So there's always people around, you know, so like you just had to trust that and then just sort of trust that like, you know, if, if it comes to that, well, it comes to that and, and and we'll be there. But if it doesn't come to that and we were to step in or to fuck this thing up, like it would be the repercussions would be far more, you know, kind of grand in a sense of things. So like, I was always like, all right, I'm just going to have to like, just, just suck it up <laughs> and like yeah. kind of like, you know, with, withhold that or like kind of not display any of that worry or um, at least to, you know, outwardly outside of the crew. Um, so yeah, that was another, uh, sort of surprising challenge. Yeah. Let's dig in there just slightly. Um, <clears throat> what made it in the film was that storm and was it in Wyoming? Yeah. It was in Wyoming. Uh, just a ruthless, uh, lightning storm, high winds. It, I mean, it, you could feel the drama through the screen. Um, was that the most gnarly, scariest situation, or were there others that that didn't make it into the film? Like, what what was the scariest? Uh, yeah, I would situation s- at least from your perspective. I would say, um, actually, there was one that that for sure that stretch um, because the weather had been really unpredictable. Um, you know, over the day leading up to that. And then, and then he'd had this conversation, which is in the film where the, they're looking at the map and it, and it, and the lady's like, it's saying only 10% chance of rain. And that was true. It was like, uh, and, and he sort of rides off and then we look and it like, it starts to change, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, wait a second. Like these storms are blowing through really fast. And like, it's saying 10% chance of rain up there like right now. But if we, you know, if we look at this system that's coming down, so then you're like, okay, he just hasn't looked at this properly and he's definitely going to get destroyed uh, by, but he didn't think it was going to be so bad. And then we couldn't, we couldn't follow him like that whole, we had to actually drive. We have to drive back out around through Jackson. It's like about a three and a half hour drive to get around uh, to the other side of that ridge line. And on that drive, like, like it starts to set in 
you know, because it's just the storms are getting worse, like as you're getting closer to the location and you're seeing all of this. So like, and then you just start thinking of the worst case scenario. Um, so that was like a really intense experience. And then, and then we sort of saw him and he was freaked out, like majorly freaked out. And I was sort of like, all right, I'm going to just wait until he says that he's not going to wait until he says that he's quitting. Right. And then I'll like help him and get him in the car and whatever. And I was like, he's definitely going to say it. Like he was, I've never seen him so freaked out. And then he just like switched and he just was like, all right. (laughs) And he just rode off. And, and like, and then we as a crew were like, what do we do here? And he wasn't far from town at that point. Um, And, and we're like, well, I mean, he's moving. And, and fortunately from that point, like it, you know, the storms didn't, it, it no longer stormed once he like once he kind of headed into town it, it was just light rain so whatever you just sort of like well at least we know where he is and whatever we sort of would go ahead and wait for him and you could see the dot moving um but then the following day you know like we woke up and it was like torrential rain again and it was kind of one of those things like this can't be possible and then again like he stopped you know, and we had to drive quite far to, to reach him. And like, he's been stopped for a while and then you start freaking out. Um, and then, uh, and that was when he was in the bathroom, which is in the film. Mm. And then he left the bathroom and we all get in the car and we start driving. And our route map was like on this, in a few sections, it was like, it would, it would just be slightly different. It would be like, you would, it would have us turning, you know, like a block later or a block earlier or something on like in some of those back roads, there'll be like a few entry points. And so we go, we drive down the road and we drive down the road about a half mile or a mile and pass him. And we're like, okay, it's crazy wet. And there are these big road signs saying, you know, like be careful rain or flooding or something. And we're like, let's get one of those road signs and him coming through. So we drive, uh, we drive ahead, like maybe another mile and a half and get out set up the shot and we're standing there we're standing there we're standing there and then there's and there's nothing no um no Lachlan and this road was like the rain was torrential the road was really busy like cars hauling ass along there and after like 20 minutes you know his his dot hadn't moved his dot was like still showing him back at the back at the um rest stop and so then I like got in the truck. I was like, okay, you guys stay here. Like something's happened. And I get in the truck and I start driving and I can't see him. I can't see him. I can't see him. I'm like going. And then I get back to the same point where we had overtaken him. And I'm like, and I, and I hadn't seen him. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, has he been like, is am I going to like find him in a ditch? And there was like right. a real like oh, two God. minute period there where I was just like, he's been hit and he's like off the side of the road. And like, I'm about to find my brother like dead on the side of the road. Like that's, that was my, and it was this crazy. And this is right. Feeling. I mean, he's doing this right on the heels of Jay Petterbury, right? Exactly. I mean, this was after like Jay Petterbury got hit. hit. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he, like God, Jay had just been hit and like, he just had this crazy experience the night before and the crazy experience that morning where like he should, like he shouldn't have got through that night before, you know, like something should have happened that morning. And I was just like, this is it. Like, this is, you know, why did we let him ride out of that rest stop? So I was like freaking out and I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. And then, and then I was like, I'd like turned around and I was driving and then 
I guess I'd gotten at some point in that one mile stretch, like my uh, phone had gotten cell reception and, uh, and updated his, his tracker. And it had like, you know, I had the little red line on my phone where the route was and it had him just like just in and, uh, and it showed him as moving and it showed him like it had pinged within the last two minutes. And I'm like, oh, he's he's just he's just on the frontage, like he's just on the road over there. He's fine. And like, but it was just the intense, like I had a real major freak out. And then I drove back to the guys and like got them in the car. And I'm like, he's actually just on there's another road, like, you know, <laughs> like 500 yards in that paddock. And he's just on oh, that. Man. And so anyway, so then we like, you know, then then you continue on. Um, so I think that was probably the most uh intense just because of everything that had led up to it and then it was just that we we're all so fried like we hadn't we hadn't that stretch we'd been stuck on the side of the mountain and then you know so we hadn't really slept and then there was a few nights of yeah just basically no sleep and then we got to you know and then we're at that point it was like this run up and after that i was like all right we need to take a bit better care of ourselves because we're kind of we're only on day five and yeah. we're like, we're fried, you know, like we're all, well, at least I was kind of like emotionally, like just, right. yeah, a little bit too on the limit. Um, and fortunately, weather-wise, it got better after that and it just became mechanical problems. So, yeah, right. And he like, traded one problem for another problem. Yeah, he problem. can just have, but I don't care about that. He can have, I'm loving that. Have those all day. That's great. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's good <laughs> At least drama you're not going to like die, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, um, I really, mm, yeah, I, I guess the word is I appreciated that part of the film because as a, a fan, a spectator and a podcast podcast host, and I talked to these people and they say, you know, I was in this gnarly storm and there was lightning all around and it was fucking crazy and scary. And I was crying in my tent. I, you yeah. know, that, show you could the the intensity and uh the 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 scariness of the situation was palpable you know it was it was palpable and i felt that i'm like oh fuck stop lachlan you know i yeah <laughs> through the screen i'm like okay get in the car buddy and, uh, like, and then when he rode off into it oh man that just tells a whole different story of like a, a so mindset nice. that i don't have and i don't even want to yeah. have to be honest Same. with you but a lot of people do and that really that sequence right there shows you exactly what not just lachlan went through but a lot of these people who do these events when you're out on course for two three weeks you're gonna get caught in some shit and that that showed you you know yeah, and that's that's like Lockie and I were talking about that after the, you know, after he finished, and we're like the thing about, the thing about it is like that route is going to throw that storm at you, irrespective of when you do it, hmm. and and it it'll be somewhere along the route there will be something like that that is just so like hellish and so beyond the realm of any of your experiences before. That's why the route is just so grueling and why people have like hold it in such high regard because at some point just by virtue of the topography and, and the length of it, it's going to like rattle you and you just, there's, and there's no way you can be prepared for it. And I think like, you know, with that sequence, that's what we're trying to convey. And, and honestly, like, you know, obviously we'd never intended to put 
the crew in the film, well, not obviously, but we hadn't intended, but because we, we, we weren't there with him, you know, but we were having this genuine freak out. And like, I had no idea that Ryan was filming. He just started filming. I think because we were, we were sort of all a bit freaked out. And it was only afterwards that like, I discovered we had that footage and I was like, I think this is the way to convey just how helpless like we are, but also like how helpless he is, you know, cause you're in the right. situation when you're in it. Like, it's not like you can just be like, stop lightning, you know, yeah. or it's not like you can sort of put up like a Faraday cage of some sort that'll like, you know, protect you from it. <laughs> like you're just out there and it's just going to go. And that was the same feeling that we had when you're driving along the road and you know that they're over there in that, you know, shit storm and you're over here and there's nothing you can do. You're just like, well, it's going to be what it is. And and there's a there's a waiting there's like this crazy tense waiting period for it just to end um and so like that's you know like we were fortunate i was fortunate that ryan shot that so that we were able to at least sort of sort of recreate this mirroring of the feeling um and then to your point you then see this person and they're rattled and then they just ride off again yeah. you know and they're on the side of the road for all of two minutes and then, <laughs> and then they just go and you're like something wrong with you <laughs> yeah well yeah that was a brilliant editorial decision to include that because it yeah it it was through your own it was through your anxieties the film crews you know you all were on the verge of freaking out it seemed yeah, like you're, you're trying to keep it together Fucking but hell. you could feel the intensity and i think if you don't capture that you know you just see lock and ride up and it's raining and it's lightning and he goes off yeah. you're like oh it's They're raining right. and that's a crazy storm and maybe you shouldn't ride in it but to to have that juxtaposition of of y'all's reaction to what he's experienced and you're in a car right you're yeah you're that's like i thing. can't believe he's out there riding in this shit you know yeah <laughs> and that's like you know i don't know if that makes it worse and I, but I, but I also think just generally for like what I think makes stories about this sport so fascinating in the same way like climbing and these things is like because because you, you it's so visceral it elicits something within us like and we're like oh I'm in my home watching this and I'm cold you know imagine how cold he would have been out there right. and that's that's the feeling you have when you're in the car you're almost freaking out doubly because you're like this is, it's intense here and I'm in the car, you know, and I'm dry and I'm warm. Like it must be a million times worse than this outside. So you start, you know, your imagination takes hold and it kind of, it, I, I don't know if it, it doesn't necessarily overblow it, but it just goes in all of these different directions. And it, and it's like, and then, and then when you finally get the closure, it's like that relief is, is like immense, you know, you're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, like he's yeah. fine. Thank God. Like, you know, um, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, so you. that's one that you captured. Uh, tell me about a, 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 you know, a moment, an experience that either you filmed and it was out of focus or for whatever reason, it didn't make the editing, uh, the final cut, or you just missed the shot completely. But tell tell us something that didn't make the film. That's a good question. Um, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of moments. It's sort of strange though, because I think like, you know, Lockie's racing. We don't, we don't have contact with him when we don't, when we don't see him. 
and obviously we talk to him when we see him in that, but he is sort of like, he's sort of so in the zone and sort of doing his thing that, you know, we just show up and, and shoot and then like, and then he kind of disappears and like, maybe he'll be like, you know, he told lots of stories about like, Oh, I saw wolves. And you're like, what? You know, he's like, yeah, there was like a pack of wolves up there or like there was a bear or there was some moose or, and I think like, so there was, there was like stories like that. And then, and then I guess from a, a filmmaking point of view, this would probably uh, matter to people, but the amount of times that we set up the crane Mm -hmm. and we would be like almost done. And like, this shot's going to be sick. Like, you know, we're going to do this move and we're still building it up. And then he just rides through. (laughs) And you're just like, no. (laughs) Like, and then you're just like, all right, break it down. Um, So there was like lots of those sort of moments. Um, But then for the most part, like in terms of, of like, there was just like lots of beautiful shots that yeah weren't in focus like were maybe misfocused or like we just couldn't get them to work within the story like a lot of that um a lot of gas station moments you know like hmm. hilarious interactions with with uh the people at the gas station i think that, <laughs> that, that didn't end up making it um but like for the most part like because he's just going you know, we're really only we catch him and then you sort of you film with him for a minute and then he's gone to sleep or he's or he's gone on down the road. Um yeah. but he would have he has a lot. Like he has a lot of stories. Um and and we're kind of thinking of maybe doing a version of the film with a commentary where like he'll talk about what had happened, what he was thinking or feeling or the experience he had just had, like prior to a shot or prior to a moment in the film. Uh, and then we can talk about how I can talk about how, like we, you know, got that shot and the organization of it. Um, yeah. I, I think that'd be brilliant. Yeah. I know, uh, I cover some bike races. Um, I, I do a little photography mm-hmm. and I really relate to what you were saying. And I was kind of anticipating a, a similar, uh, that, that, that answer to some degree, because when you're covering a bike race, um, you know, there's a lot of logistically, lot logistically that goes into it. One, the spot tracker isn't always accurate. It can oh stop updating. And so you don't know where they are. And oh, I can't no. tell you how many times I've set up in a spot and waited for someone to come by and they were already past me. And I didn't, I didn't realize it because the spot tracker was off or, you know, I've waited in the most epic spot to get the right shot because I I've timed it perfectly and the lighting is going to be perfect. And then they stop on the side of the road for a nap or a snack. And then it's okay. di- nighttime. And you I just mean, reminded me of something. Okay. <laughs> we were like, did exactly that. Uh, we were on like, uh, at, like on the Navajo reservation, just South of Cuba. And we're waiting to set up the shot. Same thing. He doesn't come through. And we're like, what the fuck? We wait a bit longer and then we put the drone up and he's like asleep. He'd like was riding down the road and he got right before us and he was like obviously just super tired. So he just pulled over on the side of the road and just went onto the ground and just went to sleep <laughs> and was like sleeping on the side of the road, like a mile up the road. 
So we're like running down there and then he gets up right when we get there. So we didn't get the shot. So like that's, yeah, that's like a good example of, <laughs> yeah. of, of something we missed. And the whole, like the horses, um, there was also like a bunch of kind of tornado-y things that would be off in the distance, which you can see it's like on the last day, there's a shot that's kind of over the shoulder. Lockie, like in the last five minutes of the film, 10 minutes of the film. And, and there's on the left of frame, you'll see like a, like a, Willy Willy, we call call them in Australia, but there's another word for them here. But it's like funnel. a little twister thing, yeah, like a little funnel. And um, so, like that, there was like a bunch of those that were kind of crazy. Um, but the other thing I think that, at least for me, that's like I never think about, even though I've done this so many times, is just like trying to back up cards and hard drives and like, mm. and like we had to because we just had the sheer amount of gear we couldn't like we camped i think only one night because we had to but we just the amount of gear and 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 um backing up that we had to do we, i just made the decision at the beginning i was like we're just gonna have to oh, go yeah. to hotels and recharge, so you can clean gear yeah recharge yeah. back up and like clean gear um because it was just getting everything was getting so th- trashed and and it was all such big equipment so you know the amount of driving that we did just like completely off route wrong direction you're just like oh man we're going to drive an hour and a half to get to a hotel at 11 to put cards on so they run till one go to sleep get up at six Mm. so you sleep at one whatever or sleep at 1 30 and then you're getting up at six or you're getting up at five to drive back like three hours just to To find that morning light to get back to them you know like and there was a lot of that um which i think like you know, like that's the other thing I kind of love about these making these films is like the crews on the adventure too. And they have their own like wacky yeah. adventure. That's just like a little side mission of just trying to get food or trying to get a hotel or like trying to figure out where you can replace like a, something you've broken, you know? Um, yeah. I fucking so love other, it, man. I love, yeah, it's so sick. It is sick. love documenting. It is oh an endurance God. sport that unless you do it, <laughs> you don't. And I, again, I'm not doing the film, but, um, yeah, just following a race, trying to keep up with it, trying yeah. to keep a storyline, trying to get the shot and trying to maintain your equipment and eat and sleep and everything. It's, it is an endurance sport unto itself. And I, oh, fucking, I love it. I love yeah, it. I, I, I do it too. Up. Yeah. Yeah. It's good yeah. Stuff. I think like, <clears throat> you know, like I'm like, it's exhausting for sure. And I'm always like, I'll do one. I'll, you know, at the end of the divide, I was like, that's it for me. You know, I've, I'm done with, I'm done with documenting these things, but like, that's definitely not true. And just from a, a human, like my personal experience, like I just love being in it, you know, like even like irrespective of, of, of the film, you know, I, I mean, I love making films and like, you know, that's all I want to do all day, every day. And, but like, the the experience of just this is going to sound kind of crazy but like and maybe it's the same for people who do these things as well but like it feels like what you're doing is important and it is important to you like and it's one of the only times i feel like in in my life at least where you're like out there and you're doing something and you have just such conviction and such purpose that you're like oh this is important to me you know, and I want to do a good job and I'm like, I'm so focused on it and everything else goes away. And you're just like, this is my, this is like what I'm meant to be doing right now. And that's like the only projects uh, that I get that on, uh, uh, 
these ultras because you're sort of doing it with them, you know, and like you're figuring right. out all this other stuff. And, and yeah, it's just kind of this different filmmaking experience that I don't know that I'll ever get over um, just because of what it provides me like as a person, you know, just the experience itself, like irrespective of how the film comes out, I'm like, that was sick. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. sometimes you get lucky in the film turns out well but, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it uh yeah and and yeah that's something we can both relate to yeah. on um yeah. <clears throat> you've mentioned this you referred to it a couple of times and it's something that really stood out to me in the film was um one those wide shots that show Lachlan just slowly going through the screen. And yeah. I thought, man, that I remember when I was watching, I'm like, yes, that is how you film this in a way that shows um, the aloneness, the remoteness of it, the isolation of it, the length of it. Um, I just thought that was brilliant. And then you juxtaposition that with his cell phone video, yeah. which I thought was brilliant as well. And so one, it's just a pure kudos and congratulations. I thought it was just well filmed. Um, but I'm curious, was it always your intention to use his cell phone videos? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he does such a good job of, of, of those. Um, and when we did the Colorado trail, um, in 2022, we had no contact with him. It was like, he wouldn't even look at us like, cause it was very strict, like no contact, but he was using his, I was like, well, can you at least use your phone or update? And he's, and he's good at that. Cause he does Graham stuff. And, you know, so he, he actually, he did such a good job of it on, on the Colorado trail. I was like, man, even when I talk to him on the, if I was to talk to him on the side of the road, he wouldn't give me the kind of response that, that I get from him, um, talking in the phone, you know? So there was like an honesty and, and, and that, that, that it provides. And then I think, so yeah, so the, the intention was to always use, to always use the, um, to always use the, the, the cell phone footage. And I, and I just like, you know, I like the way, cause my, my style is very slow and, and I, and, and I, you know, showing these big landscapes and the only way I feel like you can demonstrate how, what it feels like to ride 12 and a half days is to show one, to show someone just how long it takes to ride for 30 seconds, you know? And that's like, those shots aren't even, you know, maybe the longest ones are 30 seconds long or whatever, like, and, but, but like, you just see like, oh, it's taking him forever. Like, and then you compound that for 12 and a half days, like that's, then you start to get a sense of the scope. Um, whereas I think when you, when you edit away from, if you change to another angle or whatever, there's just a sense of, of kind of compression. Um, and then I just like how those big slow ones contrast to like the ratty cell phone yeah. nature, you know, it's like, and it's like Lockie's all gross looking and yeah. he's just saying something completely rogue and it just, it plays. So I guess it's sort of like it, it, it demonstrates, and this is the thing I think, you know, I've always sort of 
been drawn towards is like the chaos and the and the kind of intensity that's within you as a person completing this mission and then the serenity and the stillness and the kind of inconsequential nature of your being in a place as you're doing it you know and it's like him just slowly moving across the landscape like the landscape doesn't give a fuck if he's there it's just (laughs) it's just going on and then you and then you go into this cell phone footage and he's just like whatever like (laughs) you know like fully in it just absorbed by this mission and and so i just like the play of that because it kind of symbolizes the experience of it yeah i think man i think the having those two elements is just fucking brilliant i ate it up i i think it was yeah it in my opinion it it has been my most favorite film to watch about the divide to tell the story of it the way it was filmed um and and, and especially those elements having the juxtaposition of those two i just i thought it was brilliant so well done and i think so oh go ahead i think Lockie, Lockie is a character uh you know it does a lot for that i think like there he has this i mean he's just one of those people that has this very um you know uncanny ability to to sort of transfer his genuineness like he's you know the, the conversations that's going behind the scenes about what he's doing and where he's going like he's so he never does anything that he doesn't genuinely want to do and that he doesn't genuinely have like a curiosity about you know like him pitching like i want to do the divide but i want to sleep more and i don't want to go for the record to a, a team that is all about racing you know, trying to like sell that to them is, is such a big feat. Cause everyone behind the scenes is like, well, who gives a shit if he's not going to go for the record? <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, but people will. And then you watch him do it and everyone cares. And you're all just like, yeah. And like, and he didn't, you know, and like he, he wasn't going for the record and like he was sleeping all this, you know? So there is something about him as a character too, where I think he transfers that uh yeah. genuineness of like he's genuinely like excited and curious yeah. and and he's just doing it for 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 him you know i didn't even know i interviewed him like three times post race and he still had kind of has no idea why he's doing it <laughs> you know like or why he did it or like what he took away from it like there's just like this deeply kind of subconscious thing within him that just drives him to do these things sometimes and i think that he conveys that to an audience in a way that people that you latch onto it, you know? Um, and I think that, so that makes my job a lot easier as the filmmaker. Cause like he, he, it's just easy to communicate the emotion because he just sort of somehow does that. Yeah. That's a good point is he, I mean, he's, he's entertaining in himself, but not, not just entertaining. Like he's a real authentic, uh, genuine person and and it comes through in the film and you can't replicate that you can't script it you know and so ha- no. <laughs> having him as your main subject yeah it makes your job a little bit easier yeah and i think like you know you know like it's like he's riding for this big bad world to a team and he's you know raced on the road and all of this sort of stuff but like he's at his core he's just like such a dirtbag bike rider like that you know having knowing him and and having known him in my life like it's still very funny to me that like he is on that team and he is doing like and he does have this sort of platform that he does because like 
like because he is just so genuine and like it's almost like he sort of surreptitiously surreptitiously like you know built this career for himself and then pivoted in this way where he's like huh psych like now that i have this now that you know now that i've kind of achieved these things and and i'm and i'm a member of this team i'm actually going to go and like do the thing i really want to do and and sort of like show the world that it's almost like undermining the team, which I love. <laughs> I love it too. Uh, as a fan of the sport, when Lachlan came over and, and dipped his toes on our side of the pond, um, I, I just, I ate it up. I'm like, yes, you know, um, Payson McKelvin's another one who's kind yeah. of more on like the pro mountain bike circuit gravel and stuff. And, you know, he's dipped his toe in bike pack racing. I'd love to see, um, people breaking the mold, you know, and, yeah. and to your point at the very beginning of this conversation is, you know, the different modalities and the way of, of, of doing cycling. And, um, we don't need to be, have so much rigidity, um, whenever it comes to it. And he is the perfect show. Case. I mean, all the way from his alt tour to um, some yeah. of his forays into the Colorado Trail Race and now the Tour Divide. Uh, it is a perfect example of what I, I like to promulgate on this show is do it any way you like, you know, ride yeah. any bike, ride it any way you want to, won't go fast, go slow, go far. It doesn't matter. And, and he is a person who's embodying that and is a, is a very visible example of that. And so I'm a big fan. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, same here. And it's funny to say that because, like, he's my brother, obviously. But I'm like, I am a fan as well. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I watch you, like, I respect that, man. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, a good dude. I see how hard you, I see how hard you work for this shit. Like, yeah, nothing but respect. So it's cool. So, uh, what, what are your hopes as far as an audience is concerned? What do you hope that people will take away from this film? I mean, first and foremost, like for me, you know, I want them to be entertained um, and I want them to feel moved in some way by the story, just like, you know, ultimately entertained. Like, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I love this and and I really love, you know, the craft of, of making films and, and, and how you can give people an experience. And so I think like, you know, first and foremost, it's like, I want them to be entertained by this thing and be able to watch it the whole way through and be like, wow, that was like, I loved that. You know, I felt all of these different emotions and, and had this experience. And then I think, you know, coming after that, because if they're not entertained, then there's no point in, in trying to do anything, you know, because they're not going to watch it. They're going to be like, whatever. You know, maybe one or two people watching like, oh, wow, there was a really powerful message in that if you could just get past the boring ass, like nature of the, <laughs> of the thing. So like, that's the first and foremost is, is, is nowadays is to really make it entertaining. And then, and then ideally, you know, I think I just would like people to, well, I would hope that people watch this and there's in, and they're in some way moved to do something that they're outside of their comfort zone in a little bit, you know, because, and that's, that's just a selfless thing because I've had that experience, you know, I've, I've done things like this, not certainly not as extreme, but have, that have given me really powerful, you know, personal sort of experiences that I feel have made my life better. And so like, I, you know, hopefully people will see this and they'll be entertained by it, but they'll also be kind of a little bit awestruck by it in a way that gets them to, just to do something, you know, do um, something. 
yeah, yeah. do something like do, it doesn't do have to be sick. something you know like i <laughs> yeah. you know you know nowadays like i'll see something like this you know someone do something like this or a friend will do something and dude i'll get out and i'll do like a lap of griffith park you know and like go for and i'll like go hard yeah. and i love it and like yeah. you know like my sort of adventuring uh or adventurous side is like somewhat curtailed nowadays but like I still get moved by these things and I feel good about going out and doing like just a little bit. And that's, so I, I you know, it would be nice to, to have that occur, you know, that's sort of yeah. really like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, yeah, if, if it's entertaining and people like the story, they'll come back for more and they'll want to see more and they'll want to know more. And eventually that will translate to them participating, you know, Love because, it curiosity will get the better of them eventually what's the response been like so far i mean i've seen the youtube uh, stats and what what feedback are you getting from people who've watched it how are you are you feeling stoked on the response like what's it been like yeah i mean it's it's been great like you know uh pretty overwhelming actually you know we did we did a film tour and we the crate the, the yeah we did a film tour and we sold out every spot really quickly. And and I think the pinnacle of that was being at Boulder theater, you know, Boulder's our, the Morton family's adopted hometown. My parents live there, have lived there for 15 years or so. And, and Lockie and I have spent uh, a lot of time over the last 20 years there and live there ourselves. And, and the Boulder theater is like down the street from my parents' house. It's like, it's, it feels like the hometown, you know, and to have like 900 people, show up to watch the film there oh, was wow. crazy you know yeah, like that was a very funny experience and and a very cool very cool to see Lockie move that many people um and then and then yeah then the response to the film has been good i like you know i like that people because there's a lot of these there's a lot of films about this sort of thing and and when you're in the community you know i you know, I often think about how I would respond and, and there's a lot of stuff that I watch that I really, really love. Uh, but I just watch it and I love it. And, and that's it, you know, like, I don't, I don't like, I'm, I might be moved by it and I might be moved to go and be active or to think about something in a different way, but I sort of won't necessarily be like out there being like, Oh my God, did you see this thing? Cause there's a lot of amazing stuff out there. Um, so I think that was quite moving that, that Lockie's a certain type of character and that we were able to make this film in this way about his mission or about his effort that kind of captivated an audience um, and elevated the story and the route, like, you know, to a, uh, to a larger audience. And so I think that's always like, I mean, that's all you can ask for. That's really humbling. Um, and particularly too, because, you know, you put a lot of effort into these things, you know, and everyone does like Lockie does like the team at EF to be able to fight, to be able to, you know, find the funding to, to make a film like this. And, and then, and then, you know, all of the crew that work on it, um, like, you know, Nate and Johannes and Ryan, like who go deep every day out there on, in the field. And then, and then to come into post-production and have like, Dave and, and, uh, and Ben Cranell and like all these people like who, who straight up, like 
they're just like, I want to work on this. Like whatever you need, I'm going to go the extra mile, you know, and you're getting them to do it. And you're like, you don't have a lot of money. So you're having to like get discounted rates and you having to, you know, ask for favors and everything, you know? So it's really nice for all of that, for all of that, like crazy amount of effort that people put in to, to have people enjoy it and, and have it resonate with people. It makes it worthwhile. Cause you're like, okay, we like really went deep on this one and you know and and it's resonating with people um so that's yeah. nice to know that it like had some sort of an impact and maybe it elevated it elevated what was already an amazing sporting feat and i think an interesting sporting like like going back to that conversation about creativity sort of it elevated that initial like him doing it initially got a lot of steam and, and got a lot of people like talking about it and whatever. And then the ability to be able to elevate that through the film, I think was, you know, it's nice to, to see that that happened. Yeah. I fucking love it, man. It definitely, uh, it resonated with me, uh, to a high degree, um, to the extent that it made me, I, I reached out to you immediately. Yeah. I was like, I would, I would <laughs> love to talk about this film because, um, I, I think that this is an important film. I think that this film, like I said in the beginning, has the ability to reach a, a really wide audience and, and get people to do something to your point. It doesn't have to be go ride the divide, but do something, get inspired, be inspired to do something, uh, crazy or fun or exciting or adventurous. And, um, that's what it gets me excited. I, I love, I love these people that do this. I love these stories and I love this community. And I thought, I thought your film just did a fantastic job of, of capturing this sport in a really authentic way. Um, and I loved it. I'm a fan. I, I think, I think we should tell people where they can, where can people find it? Where's the best way to watch yeah. uh, the divide? Yeah, you can watch it on for free on uh, the EF Pro Cycling uh, YouTube, which I guess just Google that. <laughs> Google the divide. <laughs> Google the divide, like Lachlan Morton. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can find it there. And then, uh, and then that's yeah, that's the 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 main spot for now. We may do some more future screenings, but I'm not sure uh, yeah. uh, if that if that'll happen, but. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that. And I think like, you know, for me, this, I really approached this film. I was like this, I don't know if I want to keep, you know, I don't know if I have many more of these in me. There's other things that I want to do in my career. And, and I feel like I've, I was sort of like, I've said everything that I want to say from a filmmaking point of view, except this, you know, to be able to document this and to be able to let like an effort like this, just stand for the effort. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's really humbling to hear because this is a sport that has given me so much. It's, you know, it's really shaped me in a major way and it continues to give me a lot that's riding my bike. And it's nice to be able to, in some very small way, contribute to like someone else's experience. And if that, if that contributes to one other person that is able to, find as much fulfillment within the sport of cycling as I have had, then that would be amazing. Um, and so it's nice, you know, like it's, it's humbling and it's, it's nice to know that that has happened, you know, with this, with this film. 
um yeah it's like it's cool it's cool to know that that's like possible to do yeah I guess. no that's a cool yeah i resonate with that it's it's yeah it's really neat when you can give back to a community that's given so much to you in a really yeah. positive way you know and, and like I, I guess too because like you see you know i have so many sporting heroes in this sport and i just fucking love them and i'm like i love what you've done you know <laughs> and, and like you never really think of yourself as as being able to contribute you know i never have and you know, even though you see, you see these efforts and, and these people like Lockie and, and, and Sophia and like all these Lael and all these people that are really pushing the boundaries and like, and, and I see them as being big contributors. And then it's, it's funny to think like, Oh, just, just by like sharing that story, like you contribute to. And I think that I've sort of had that realization with this film when, when people are like, Oh, but I really liked the film. And you're like, Oh, cool. I was able to like, contribute in a way that I never really thought I could. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's nice, you know? Hell yeah. Well, I appreciate it, dude. Thank you. No, thank, uh, you. Th thank you for making the film. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, I know how much work goes on. Actually, I don't know. I, I have a small <laughs> glimpse into, yeah, I love this shit too, but yeah. it's a lot of work, you know? It is. And yeah, it takes, yeah. and one thing I've learned is it takes people that are willing to do that to tell these stories. And I, you know, without that, we wouldn't have these stories. And so I appreciate it. Um, yeah, big fan. And I really appreciate you sharing your time um, and your thoughts uh, with the audience today. I'll, uh, yeah. no, I'll make it easy for people to find that. Oh, yeah. Easy. We should, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, exactly. Fire up your uh, your old podcasting skills. You've been out of practice for a while. Oh, but dude, you, I've been majorly you're, you're out of nailing practice. nailing it, nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I was like running late getting on here this morning. I was like, oh, I have all this gear, but like, where is it? And then I was like trying to boot the zoom up and you know i'm like oh god yeah i'm rusty <laughs> <laughs> you were only I'm two minutes late you were you were yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we won't I even count like... as being late <laughs> <laughs> um but Gus... no man really appreciate it it's been an honor to come on like uh your your show is a a uh, like i said before like a, a kind of landmark in this community and and you are you know a leader in this community and and i really appreciate and respect the work that you've done um and it's it's cool to, to get on here and like put a face to the name and shoot the shit likewise man i've been enjoying i appreciate everything you do um yeah i guess we both feel a little lucky to to just be a part of the community and be yeah. able to contribute man it's i, I fucking love this shit too so let's it's keep cool. turning those wheels it's cool yeah yeah you too man all right buddy well have a good day we'll uh, Cheers, chat yeah, again soon i hope yeah, 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 yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. And let me know. I don't know if you need anything, whatever. Oh, I need something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, uh, yeah. I definitely need something. All right, man. We'll have a cool. good day. Yeah, Peace too, out. Man. See ya. All right, all right, all right. That is it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. And thanks again to Angus Morton for coming on and giving us a behind-the-scenes peek into the filming of The Divide. If you haven't watched this incredible film yet, you can find a link in the show notes. You can also find it over at bikesordeath.com. All right, and next week, I've got another exciting episode just for you. Jambi Jambi is in my opinion, an icon of the bikepacking space. 
She is a social media influencer and someone who I've really wanted to have on the show for a while. So I'm very excited to bring you that chat next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider supporting this podcast. A great way to do that is by supporting our sponsors or supporting us directly through patreon.com or by using our affiliate links, all of which can be found in the show notes, all of which can be found in the show notes. All right, everyone, thank you so much for being here today. It has been a pleasure. Until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination? Merely folklore. Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Oh, death. Podcast.